intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you and thanks for joining us on the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. This week, our guest is the idle free guy, Mr. Ron Zima. Come on in here, John and Ron. Hey, Mr. Hey, Ron. Hey, guys. Hey. Very nice to meet you, uh, John. Yes, um, you too. You too. Well, I, I'm, I'm so glad to finally meet you. You know, I've heard so much about you. I've seen some of your videos, but to actually see you in person and know that the three of us now are sitting here as a common folk because we all have a tie together. Yes. Big foreheads. <laughs> and, 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 and hairy chins. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, Ron was the very first guest. And I think this, I think. My God, have we done 100 episodes? Yes, we're over slightly over 100 episodes now. And Ron was the very first guest when the podcast was called the Trucking, what was it? The Dog on a Trucking on Podcast. That's, and like that, that was Ron's yes. name, by the way. He came up with yeah. that. <laughs> Can't you tell? <laughs> it's no longer around. <laughs> well, hey, we're here to talk about Idle Free. Yes. What the heck? Let me ask you this. Sure. Why did you pick up this mantle of all the things that you could try to change in the world? Why did you pick, uh, especially commercial vehicles, idling away for no money? For no reason, for very little benefit. Um, great question. Uh, excellent opening question. And the reason this started at my kids' elementary school Back in 2005, the winter of 2005, 2006, my kids were in uh, grade four. <laughs> and it was about this time I was outside the school, uh, pick up my kids, and I was idling my vehicle. Along with, you know, like 40 other people. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at the other schools and then the school buses. And, and, um, and then my... Um, my kid's uh, principal told me, Ron, it's really bad. Idling around the schools is really bad. I'm going, yeah, I can see that. She says, oh, it's so bad. At the previous school, uh, our uh, staff and kids were getting sick every afternoon. Um, and we found out it was, yeah, it was the drop-off loop every day about 2 o'clock, 2.30. And they would be venting the uh, exhaust emissions inside the school. Oh, Wow. Inadvertently, obviously, but yeah, yeah. not not intentionally, of course. Yeah. And so, yeah. and just like me, and I was going, and I went home, did some research on the web, and that that's when it blew me away. It was like six point six billion gallons a year that Canadians and Americans spend idling their vehicles, going nowhere, uh, unintentionally. It's unconscious idling yeah. behavior, and I'm here to tell you that I'm not holier than thou, that uh, I document in my program how I used to idle 200 engine hours a year. And, uh, and I calculate all the costs since I went idle free to, in 2004. Mm -hmm. It's astronomical. It's, it's uh, 
Uh, I don't have the exact figure in front of me. You think I would? I think it's about uh, eight or nine grand Canadian, about seven grand U.S. That's just in fuel. That's not wow. counting downstream costs, which idle has on the insides of your vehicle. So that's pretty much why it started. But I was the I was the Canadian idler myself. Yep. Yep. Well, now, a lot of us, a lot of us are at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we all, if, until you're conscious of it, I think we all do it. Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. John, the other day you had said to me that uh, if you get a phone call, for example, and it's going to be a long, um, in, not intense, but a long phone call, you'll pull off the highway. Well, yep. when you pull yep. off the highway, do you turn your yep. car off? Well, you know, that's a very good question because <laughs> if know. it's hot out, no, I'm leaving it on so I can keep the air conditioner flowing. If it's the middle of winter, no, I'm keeping the heat going. So, you know, and and most times I would say no for the simple fact, if I'm on the side of the road, I'm not interested in shutting my vehicle off and then rolling the windows down while I'm dealing with a phone call because I'm going to get all this road noise. Keep the windows up, I'm going to suffocate, so we're going to keep the air going. So, yeah, no, you're exactly right, Chris. It's uh, We're going to leave the vehicle running. Well, yeah. and, and perhaps after this conversation, you'll think more about it where – Instead of, in your example of pulling off to the side of the road, you'd pull to a parking lot where there wouldn't yes. be the same road. Yep. Because hey, I did the Ron's course, and after that, it's amazing how it does change your life. And one, I mean, I don't drive a gas vehicle anymore. But when I did, I, for about two years after I did the course, I was saving hundreds of dollars a year. Yep. And sacrificing no comfort. Sorry, Ron, I'm getting. (laughs) Hey, that's great. (laughs) But it is. I sacrificed no comfort. If it was in the middle of winter, I'd turn the car off. And then when it got cool in the car, I turned it on. Because now I was getting a benefit. I was getting the heat. I'd get it heated up again. And I could turn it off probably for 10, depending on the outside temperature, but certainly for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes 20, before I had to turn it back on again and, and you know, get some heat. But Yeah, but now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's why we're doing this, guys. And see if this rings true. Um, we are doing this because of the memes or the idling myths handed down from grandpa in the carburetor age of the 60s. Mm-hmm. So the only time we've been formally influenced on idle management of a vehicle mm-hmm. is from our grandfather or somebody in our family, perhaps our dad, Mm-hmm. And and this is going back to the 60s and the 70s. And mm-hmm. uh, John, if you go back, you'll recall no catalytic converters, pump and start, solenoids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I used to be able to go be able to go under the hood of my my 62 Chevy station wagon and figure out what a you know change the oil, do all that stuff. You can't do any of that stuff today. I, I, I have one of those in the garage, as a matter of fact, the 1975 Buick LeSabre. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's not a computer on that car anywhere. There's no catalytic converter on that car. It's all very simple to work with. Yes. Pump and start. Pump and start. Yep. Now, here's my point. My point is they had also very little insulation. Yep. They had very little of the stuff today that they are packed mm-hmm. with to help you mitigate probably 95% of your idling behavior in Canada. I don't right. care how cold it is. Yep. So in other words, 
the in our program, we lead you by the hand in terms of not only um, uh, transforming these these old incorrect beliefs, which are sadly mismatched with operating a 21st century engine today. Mm-hmm. It's the worst operating condition for an engine mm-hmm. today. Built in the last 10 years for sure. Okay. That includes a long haul truck. That includes um, an ambulance because they're burning those engines out. That includes a police cruiser because they're burning those engines out. And um, and basically, all it is now is behavioral. It's politics. It's politics. We have to get around to a time when we say, hey, we need to educate people driving 21st century engine technology today because right. it is really mismatched and it's it's costing us 6.6 billion gallons mm-hmm. as well as really poor air quality in toronto yeah. 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 hamilton it's a Big direct result of why we have one of the key contributors to four times the asthma rate that we had <sighs> in these when you wow. And when you guys and myself were kids going to school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kids carried a puffer. Yeah. Versus today, you've oh. got a ten or fifteen kids in a class carrying puffers, and it's mm-hmm. because of this this toxic soup. And we think, hey, those all those exhaust emissions have been so cleaned up that I mean, mm-hmm. you can't even see them anymore. But they are still very toxic and yep. dangerous. And they're very rich in carbon emissions. So it's a huge opportunity to do a lot of things with the flick of a key. But to get to the flick of the key, you have to be able to modify a person's belief that they've grown up with that's so entrenched for the last three, you know, like uh, 30 or 40 years. You just, hey, no, restarts are bad. Uh, Yeah. Uh, idling is good and long warm-ups are necessary. Well, well, and it's funny because the technology today, a lot of these uh, manufacturers are now creating auto start. So you'll come mm-hmm. to a stop sign or a stoplight and you apply the brake when the vehicle comes to a stop. It shuts off. Yep. As soon as you release the brake and, and move your foot to the gas pedal, boom, it automatically starts up again. So so that aspect is now gone this this you know it's it's not good to restart your vehicle that's wrong no no it's 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 great because the manufacturers are putting it in automatically now exactly and in yeah. our program uh, andrew mcphee the general manager of uh of our uh auto experts and the car dealer that we actually visit and they blow out the idling myths with us with you know the the 21st century technology inside the uh um, you know, the service bay. And I'm interviewing yep. Andrew right over the top of an open F-150. And he says, right. he says, today's starters, he says, you can't fathom how many times I, I visited Ford and seen yep. them and several hundred thousand starts in a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And wow. minimal wear. So you're going to be able to get all kinds of restarts out of today's starter. So sure. even though your vehicle, and by the way, John, uh, auto start stop is just a very small slice of the market. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah, I, I know it's not very big by any means, but yeah, just well, it's just start. right. So yeah. the thing is, uh, th- that's another sort of straw man argument. People say, "Well, auto start stop's going to save us all from this idling mm, thing." No, 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 no. no. <laughs> 
It's going to take a long yeah. time. It's going to be 10 years yeah. before we see a major yeah. dent with either EVs yeah. or uh, auto start stop in a share of the market. Well, so sure, what we need sure. to do is we need to educate people as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And by the way, they're going to love the program. They love our program. And Chris is cool. <laughs> walking testimonial. And then, so I had no idea. Why hasn't somebody told me this yeah, stuff? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cool. Let me ask you a question, though. Going sure. into commercial, commercial trucks, do the uh, courier-type vehicles, are you aware, do they have this auto stop start feature? I don't it's, think they do. It's really dependent upon the management of the company. Oh, okay. So yep. management, yep. it's, and you guys know this, you know, you've got reactive yep. truck yep. Uh, operators, class eight operators, and then you've got proactive and it's really mm-hmm. hard to be proactive, yep. you know, in an industry that is just so dynamic and moving all the time and with literally moving millions of moving parts all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could blow you off the road. Um, so um, the, the the fact of the matter is that depending on management is is how everything flows. Their philosophy in terms of training their drivers and treating their drivers, their philosophy on technology, um, their philosophy on compliance. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So if you've got um, leaders. And they always tend to be leaders. Uh, then you're going to see you're going to start to see our program because they know they know the economics of idle. It's massive. Um, they know the payback is insane, and they know that it's just worth so much in uh, downstream costs, not just fuel and carbon. But then there's maintenance. Then there's um, you know, uh, Chris, you know, my good friend, Rick's Longobart with Longobart yeah. Ross. He's one of the top uh, life cycle management experts in the United States and Canada. And he puts this is the cost that he puts on um, life cycle from idle. Mm. It's 10 cents U.S. for every uh, um, mile. idle. Every hour oh. that your vehicle sits in idle is mm-hmm. the of 30 miles driven each one oh, of wow. them cost 10 cents us life cycle and service yeah. um, take it to the bank so so as a happy medium in a recent exercise we uh i just said okay 15 cents i'm gonna i'm just gonna put a figure of mm-hmm. uh, the median 15 cents he says that's perfectly um um, um yeah that's perfectly fine and so now what we find is chris I can not only save a fleet of, say, 2,000 assets, uh, you know, $3 million a year in fuel right from their bottom line, but probably even more in the cost of life cycle. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. to take wow. this, this adding cascade of savings, you're going you're gonna to save huge amounts of wear and tear. I mean, think about it, guys. If you're, if you're adding several hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands of engine hours on your assets. It's literally mm-hmm. grinding the asset away, the life cycle right. away, where it could be spent on, on um, you know, something of virtue for the business, mm-hmm. right? Um, something, well, yeah. It, and I was going to say, a lot of these assets that you're referring to are often 
government-owned vehicles, whether it's uh, the city or the province, state, uh, they're often... These things are large fleets, and it's our taxpayer dollars that are paying for it. Mm-hmm. And if you shorten the life cycle of a of a van, for instance, well, it's our taxpayer dollars that has mm-hmm. to replace that van eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just from a selfish point of view of my pocketbook. <laughs> but then if you look at it from, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. here, here, here's the big disconnect. Think about this for a minute. We did a white paper last year, Chris, you may recall this, but uh, the statement was, and I don't have it here in front of me, but 40%, I, I went out on a limb after researching this. Um, some refer to me as the, the, the expert on idle management on the planet, and certainly in idle reduction behavior modification, um, which is flipping beliefs, erasing those old memes from the carburetor age of the 60s and bringing people up to speed for the 21st century. If we just did that, people will, and by the way, drivers, the rank and file, when management provides this program for the rank and file, because we train them, we evangelize students on their personal vehicles. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to save. You have to forecast how much you're going to save in fuel and emissions over the next 12 calendar months with our idle free wow. later, which is yep. wildly popular. And so people, cool. people go, Oh my God, this is like the real world. They go mm-hmm. out, they, see, they start seeing the idling epidemic mm-hmm. because their eyes were closed, just like mine. Yep. Were, yep. Okay? Yep. And now they're starting to realize, okay, you know, um, we're, I, I don't want to make this political, but this is the huge disconnect. This mm-hmm. isn't about politics. This is about just, um, hey, these Reality. are... So in other words, if you're looking for a gas tax holiday and you're spending 40% of your fuel out of the back end of your vehicle on idling for no benefit and you're asking for a tax, a tax break on gas, yeah. Yeah. how about we do a, a massive campaign for Ontario that says, mm-hmm. hey, do you know how to idle manage your vehicle today? Because this is what it's going to save you. And I'm going to give you an example. So if your burn rate of a vehicle, John, what kind of vehicle do you drive? Uh, <laughs> I run a 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee diesel. Okay. So your your burn rate is probably going to be about two liters an hour mm-hmm. at idle. Okay. Yep. So yep. if John is sitting there, idling his his jeep for two uh an hour a day mm-hmm. two liters a day okay mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. 250 days okay mm-hmm. so that that's 500 liters how much yep. is a liter of gas now in in ontario oh craig i just paid a dollar 90 uh a liter yesterday when i topped up so yeah Okay, five hundred liters. You're paying. You're you're yep. you're spending about a thousand bucks a year, right? Right? Yep. Right there. You're spending a thousand exactly. bucks a year on idling, and it's the yep. worst operating yep. condition for that yep. jeep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I try not to idle as much as possible, but uh, yeah, it's more from a cost factor than it is pollution, to be honest with you. So, but that yeah. leads me to a question. So, I wanted to ask something, uh, well, and I had this when I had my fleet of trucks. John, just so, a second yeah. it, it, before you go on. What amazed me recently, we went through this gas cost spike here in Ontario where we got up to just over $2 a liter. Yep. And I know, Ron, you're from uh, the East Coast, so this question isn't for you. But 
John, did you notice any cars slowing down on the 401? Oh, God, no, no, like, they were going just as fast, if not faster, you know? So, yeah, no, there was, it was squat for, uh, you know, trying to conserve or reduce their consumption of fuel by all means. Yeah, but did anybody surprising. complain about the price of fuel? No, no, I didn't even see people going, oh, I can't drive to work. I can't afford to drive to work. You know, the price of gas doubles, but everybody's still going. So, yeah. I heard people complaining, but I didn't see, like, there's one thing to say, my God, the the price of fuel is too high. But there's a different one to say, well, do something about it. Yeah, And this is where uh, Ron's course, that I did take, and I'll shout it out, because it made the awareness made me do something about it. So, yep. sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something about when you owned your commercial fleet. Yeah. So, so I was kind of wondering, uh, how is, uh, the idling aspect taken into account with commercial motor vehicles? And we're we're talking large commercial motor vehicles, tractor trailers. When yep. the tractor trailers, when, when the tractor trailer, we take into account that they have an auxiliary power unit on the vehicle. Yep. So rather yep. than idling the engine, we now have, uh, you know, a diesel generator or something or another type of accessory, which is providing heat or coolness for the cab, maybe charging of the batteries and whatnot. Um, how is that considered in the idle free program? Oh, fantastic. Any idle reduction technology is fantastic. OK. Um, and, you know, if you're talking sleeper cabs and things like that, absolutely. And by the way, a big shout out to all the truck drivers out there. Okay, it is my hat. Oh, maybe I should leave my hat on. (laughs) My hat go off to you because it is such a tough job. So, Mm -hmm. again, it comes back to management. How is the being managed? And do do they put the driver at the center of the operating universe of that vehicle? Mm -hmm. And here's the point I'm making on that. Often they don't. That what they'll do is they'll force the technology because they don't think there's any way they can get drivers to care, you know, emotionally care yeah. about idling as yeah. as a problem. So they try and solve it with technology. And then the yeah. drivers, by and large, game the system. Does this yeah. sound familiar, operators? You know, game yeah. the system, which we spent all that money on, a, on an idle reduction uh, solution. Mm-hmm. I've actually had major idle reduction technologies partners tell me mm. that client fleet government fleet has gone out and spent all kinds of money on their solution and yet they still couldn't get the driver to care enough with the switch for god's wow. sake wow yeah it, it without he said without a program like yours where they yep. really understand what's at stake and what's yep. in it for them on the yep. home front that they're going to save so much money i mean you got mm-hmm. two or three fleets in the driveway and then when they realize they can help save like uh six ton six metric tons john of of carbon that's that's sure. probably about where you are that's huge. Right? yeah yeah okay? yeah and uh chris would have been lower i was already kind of low because i was yep. you know drinking the, the kool-aid all sure all, all sure deep. but when people understand the air quality involved they've got kids with asthma at mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. i'll give you an example <clears throat> And by the way, one of the things I'd like to say is that our biggest challenge isn't the rank and driver, rank and file driver. It's management. It's management saying, yes, we need to do something and we need to the, the hearts and minds of the drivers engaged on us. If we don't, we're always going to have this problem. 
And so when we finally get past that politic, uh, politicking and the management of it, and we get it in front of the rank and file, they eat it up. They become people like Chris Harris here, who's just everywhere he goes now. You see that truck's idling. What the hell is he Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And What's the need for? Yeah. It, it's not that he's he's going out and admonishing people. It's mm-hmm. he sees it everywhere now. And that's what happens. And, and people are building. We're building a movement, really. How do you say it, Ron? Because it is OK to idle. You you don't say you can't idle. It's uh, something about you don't idle for no benefit. How do you say no. it? We 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 ask folks to go idle free when you're parked. And it makes sense. Uh, see? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Agreed. John, but, here's one I'll throw out for you on yep. that, that that great um, uh, uh, um, scenario that you gave. And you're yep. sitting by. That's a real world, really yep. good scenario. How would I address that? It's a hot day and you don't want that car noise and everything else. Well, mm-hmm. Chris and I have eliminated 90% of our previous idle time. We're, we're just... Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're rolling in cash that we've saved mm-hmm. and we're taking better care of our vehicles. Sure. Even though sure. This is, a, is an EV now. Uh, yeah. But in any event, um, it's when people understand, yeah. it's like, it's not a hard sell. This is not a hard sell for people. Right. And if they, if they are shown that uh, they're not being, uh, they're, they're not bad people, they mm-hmm. weren't, in fact, 80% of the time, people are idling like I used to. I was mm-hmm. green and everything mm-hmm. else except this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yep. I was mulching my grass. My kids were small. We were shutting the lights off, saving water, and I was a Canadian idler. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly how it works. And when when we get Canadians and Americans, by and large, to get you know uh, the right – uh, idle management thoughts and skills mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. 20th mm-hmm. century. Yep. This is going to, we're going to build a movement and we're going to be able to yeah. reduce a lot of that because we're going to have 300 million plus internal combustion engine driven vehicles for at least the, the next 10, 20 years on our roads. Mm-hmm. And there, we need to do something about that during cool. the transition to cleaner yep. fuels and EVs. Yep. We yep. got it. We're coming close to our time. So, but I got to ask you this question. Um, sure. You know that I drive an EV and I know that EVs are going to save the planet because we're, all of a sudden we're not going to have uh, any uh, pollution coming out of cars or trucks, right? Um. With some caveats. <laughs> no, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of EVs. I'm just saying that if you look at, you can't ma- uh, wave I, I, a magic wand. Right. I just want you to a, to address that because I mean, all of the truck class eight manufacturers have electro electric trucks out now. Yep. Tesla soon is going to have their vehicle out now, but it's. Explain to our listeners and our viewers how, although that's a great movement, it's not going to save us quick enough. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're, we're seeing that now. We're seeing a little bit of a pushback um, formally now through, uh, you know, the transportation publications in the U.S. Is the EV transition being forced? And, and to a degree, yeah, it's being forced politically, right? So, and 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 and. Just think about it as somebody who, uh, John, you bought that vehicle maybe, you know, seven years ago. 
but you, you're expecting to keep it for maybe another three. Uh, mm. Our we're, we're keeping our vehicles for 11 and a half, and a half years. Okay. Yep. Yep. The vast majority of vehicles in North America are, are say, you know, five and six years old or whatever they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. They're going to be around. Yep. About it. You're not going to be. And electric vehicles are a huge investment. They're not cheap. So <clears throat> you're going to need quite the incentive to, to flip you over. And then there's all the supply chain stuff. Making those batteries, this is one of the biggest holy grails they're searching for right now, is a clean, sustainable way for battery technology for the whole EV revolution. But they're finding that the, it's like peeling an onion. The more they peel, the more they cry. They got, mm-hmm. they got lots of things to think about. But I, for the record, Totally support it. We need to move in that direction. It makes sense. But we should have been doing this starting about 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. But that's yeah. how human nature works. Well, so and, we are. And most class eight trucks, right now, for long haul trucking as an example, you can't buy a an electric vehicle to do the job. So anybody that buys a class eight truck today, like you said, they're mm-hmm. expecting 10 years mm-hmm. out of that vehicle or after yep. five, they're expecting to sell it uh, so that they can get the next vehicle. But somebody's buying that vehicle. It's mm-hmm. still going to be on the road yeah. for at least yep. 10 years. So no matter what changes we make today, it takes years before yep. any, any type of advancement. And I don't know the stat, maybe you do run. I think EVs right now, are like 2% or something of the new maybe, cars maybe being 3%, sold? Maybe 3% now because of the okay. aggressive uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, happenings in the market. But yeah, 97% um, fossil fuel driven across the U.S. and Canada. And, we, and we're all to some degree involved in an unconscious idling epidemic of 6.6 billion gallons of fuel, 33 million tons of emissions. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I think that's a great way to wrap up the show. Ron, your contact info is in the show notes down below so people can reach out to you. But what is the best way to find out more about you and your movement and the idle free uh, stuff that's available to us today? Well, they can... Uh actually uh, visit uh, me at uh, goidlefree.com, as you know. Uh, the other thing that, that is a good resource, if, if they're a business person on LinkedIn, uh, they'll find uh, that I've got a showcase page called Idle Reduction Behavior Modification. Become a member of that. I'm posting all the latest, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the white papers, the information. And then if they want to preview the program, they can actually go to Facebook. Because as a public service, we've got um, copies of lessons on there at uh, Idle Free for Our Kids on Facebook. So you'll find it. You'll get a really good taste of it. Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of ways for us to, uh, to uh, share our wares online, so to speak. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so, a few of them. And, and if you want to, and if you want to do something now to save a ton of fuel, Okay, and I was coming up to that situation with John. John, uh, roll the windows down, even on the hottest day, and you are going to find an incredible cross breeze. And it feels (laughs) like you're sitting. It's aerodynamics. That's how Chris and I have saved so much of our idle time 
in hot weather, right? Sure, but sure. I'll be the first person. As soon as I start perspiring or I can yep. see, well, this isn't working, I'll, sh- yep. I'll start the vehicle up. Tur- sure. By the way, air conditioning burns a hell of a lot more fuel. Oh, yeah. I believe that. Yes. Right? So yep. um, I would turn it on and get the air going. And then keep those windows rolled up, shut it off, and I'll have cool air for about another 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's what cool. Perfect. Ron, thanks so much. All of those uh, links that you mentioned, the Facebook, the LinkedIn link, they're all in the show notes down below so our listeners and our viewers can uh, click there. And I would really encourage you to go to the Facebook page and just do this yourself. That's what I did, and that's what turned my behavior around several years ago. Um, I would encourage you to do it. It saved me money. It's also lengthened the uh, time I can own my vehicle, so I'm getting better return on my investment. Yep. Investment yep. in a vehicle. That's an yeah, oxymoron. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, really. <laughs> Ron Zima. Who are you calling the, a moron? The <laughs> idle free guy. Thanks, Ron, my friend. Thanks, guys. Uh, Ron Zima, thank you for joining us, the idle free guy. And it is not what you think. All right. And for all of you, thank you for joining us this week. John Farquhar, my co-host from Summit Risk Solutions, and myself, Chris Harris, We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. That's all we got. Got to go.